We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Light Yours Podcast, we are back. Andy Lou, Sam Esfendiari, what is going on? You know who else is back? <laughs> Stephen Curry is back. Um, Draymond Green is back. DeMarcus Cousins is in Santa Cruz. Uh, <laughs> so he's not quite back. But, um, oh, and Alfonso McKinney is That's back. That's how I was waiting for that one. Actually. Alfonso McKinney is and back. And it's- we can do a full yeah. pot on McKinney. We won't for those who are thinking about turning it off right now. But, um yeah, man. Uh, I guess I guess the season's not over. I guess they're not going to shoot mid-rangers all day. Remember when we did the first couple podcasts this season, we were like super juiced and we're like fanboys. And then a couple weeks later, we were miserable and we we're talking about like, hmm, like worse. You know, is KD going to run the pick and roll all day in New York? Is that what he's going to do? And then like a week or two later, now we're back to uh, we're back to being uh, nothing can go wrong. KD's going to sign the max. Alfonso McKinney, they're shooting 45 threes a game. DeMarcus Cousins, well, DeMar- he doesn't look that great, but he's coming back. So, so we'll um, so we'll get into if KD will stay or go with Slater later. But um, the threes is an interesting thing to me because uh, uh, they, I mean, obviously they're not going to get up as many threes without Steph, but like they were in the Spurs, like we can't even shoot threes range, and the last week. It's almost like they're it's like they're trying to prove a point like you know we can shoot 45 threes too if we want to. Um 
I'm surprised you're not taking enough credit for it. You definitely should if I were you. <laughs> I'm um, just you... saying. I'm just saying this. You know, sometimes like Draymond needed to call out KD for him to stop doing that. I had to call out Kerr. You know, <laughs> you were you were legitimately angry about it and i i'm rarely angry about the warriors just because i always am more optimistic and say they're going to win anyway you probably agree with me anyway but a little more you're just a little more patient during the 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 regular season yeah yeah i get i get pretty angry in the playoffs actually yes you've seen me (laughs) (laughs) um but but no you were right though like right because there's only so much like kind of patience that you can have with that type of offense i do think it kind of changed um in toronto uh, McKinney played that game, and KD went off that game, obviously. But KD McKinney didn't they play finally in Toronto. Have, You're talking Cleveland against the uh, against when he and him and Kawhi went went at it. McKinney right, didn't one. play in Toronto. He didn't. Oh, no. so I'm thinking Cleveland. Okay, I'm thinking Cleveland. Um, but it was one. I mean, oh, Colin Sexton's the exact same, same player as uh, <sighs> McKinney didn't come back until Steph came back. I can't okay, confirm well, that. Okay, I I thought about it wrong because I thought of I thought of Toronto as the game because I thought that was when Sherebko started chucking up threes like pretty much every yeah. chance he got. It might have been Cleveland. I might have wrong. Might have been you're, Steph you're came right back. On, you're right on Jarebko. Jarebko stopped um, overthinking. It was just basically like open shoot, not open pass. Yeah, yeah. So I have it wrong. I have it wrong. But but it was just kind of so it was kind of when Steph came back. You know, kind of not not my not on brand here. But yeah, I mean, it kind of worked all together. I think for me, it's also like with KD as if he has shooters around him, he'll pass to him and those shoot threes. It was kind of a perfect storm uh, when Draymond and, and Steph were hurt and then they didn't have McKinney. And then it was a bunch of guys that had no idea what were they're, they're doing. It was a perfect storm of just like, well, we can't shoot threes and the spacing. Right. No matter, cramped, no so matter what, are what we you do, do, Andre Godal is not putting up seven threes in a game. <laughs> so and yeah. either, and either Sean, I mean, Sean Livingston is not putting up two threes in a game um, season. I'm waiting for his uh, one three a year. He, he's he's always been good for one, and then like everyone gets really hyped off of it. <laughs> um, who who shoots three? Who's that? Kevon Looney shot a three yesterday. He airballed it, but he shot it. Yeah. That's kind of what you want. Yeah, I don't know if um if Kerr's lightening up with it or guys are just like lightening up themselves because we, we've talked about in the past. It's easy to blame the coach, but like there's a certain level of pressure when you're playing next to that many like big time scores to not be the guy who, you know, like no one wants to be the guy who takes like five shots in a row when you're playing next to four all-stars because you just look like an idiot. So, I mean, it's not, it's not that easy. That's kind of why McKinney and um, Drebko are such a breath of fresh, fresh air because they like, they understand enough and trust their teammates won't get mad at them enough that like, man, if I'm open the corner, I'm putting it up. I saw, I saw your Repco yesterday um, on the wing. He had a wide open shot as uh, passed from Draymond. He chucks it, clanks it, and he runs back down court and Katie's yelling at him because Katie's completely wide open in the right. corner and Drebko just misses him. Um, and Katie's like, dude, give me the ball. And I'm like, yeah. He should be getting the ball there. But Jarevko is just like, he's like, yeah, my bad. Like, I'll pass to you next time. Right. Like, I, I think that's something that, that he, that's a, that's a, that's like toughness in itself. Um, right. Because he's going to come back down court. He's going to make the pass or he's going to shoot it again. He's not going to be like, oh, he's not going to Omri Caspi it and like, exactly. Uh, or Mac- Pat McCaw and like think so hard about like, okay, should I shoot this? 
because I'm playing next to like Clay and KD right now, and they should get more shots than me. Yeah. Um, that's a veteranness, I guess. I mean, and then there's Nick Young, right, who just has a low IQ. So there's really nothing you can do there. Well, I mean, it's, um, about it's that. kind of it is underrated having like a level of uh, DGAF shot selection. <laughs> like, I mean, if they're in a, if someone like that's in a bigger role, it's infuriating. But like sometimes you just need a guy who is like I'm open and I can shoot, you know. So. Uh, it's like the most space thing, right? Like it's 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 lovable if the if you're if you trust your coach um, enough to know when to when to sub them off, basically. No, no. So this is this is a good point. This is a great point and a good pivot for us to talk about defense because I compared Barbosa and Spates to to McKinney and. And Jarebko, because it's like a breath of fresh air. We finally got people that, that can shoot. But the good thing about McKinney and Jarebko is they can stay on the floor on defense. Jarebko, in the regular season, he can. But like Barbosa and Spates were two guys that couldn't play any defense at all. So with these two, I, it's actually, more I of like... I thought Barbosa got a... I mean, okay, he wasn't a good defender, but you <laughs> could have... Well, it's hard in the playoffs because like you you really don't want to like just leave Clay on the bench to like give Barbosa extra minutes. But yeah... Um, I, I I see your point. Yeah, I mean, that that's it. I mean, it's just these guys can play defense, so it makes it makes so them... really McKinney can play defense. Yeah, that that's pretty. I wonder if he's going to play in the post. Yeah, I know we're jumping ahead, but God, it's it's so it's so. I mean, how long does it last? He's shooting what 38 percent. He shoot forty eight percent. I'm going to double check. It might be forty five <laughs> now, but like that's not going to hold up. If he finishes the year in the high thirties, I will be thrilled. Um, you know that's that would that'd we're all be, wide open though, so I guess forty five percent right now. Um, his I don't know what his here. I'll pull up his expanded like D league stats, but um, I yeah I don't think forty five percent on threes holds up. And if he's hitting like thirty three percent, it's a different story about how how long you keep him on the court. Yeah, um, and at some like point, and at some point, he's going to go through a little bit of a slump. Um. But uh, it, it is a breath of fresh air just having – I mean, everyone wants 3 and D guys. There's a reason those guys get paid a lot of money because how many how many guys are there who are plus defenders who will hit open threes at a consistent basis? Like when you start thinking about it, you're like, eh, there's not a lot of them out there at all. <laughs> everyone, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they... everyone wants them, but it's like, you know, everyone's like Danny Green or, you know, um, Robert Covington, but it's like – those guys both make eight figures, um, and I mean, just how and many Covington more? can't even shoot. <laughs> yeah, how many? So. I mean, Covington's like a streaky shooter. Like he'll he will yeah. shoot, but he's like, it's not like he's Clay Thompson out there. Yeah, well, and although you got, he, that's he might be Clay Thompson's percentage this year. So. <laughs> <laughs> that that is true. Um, do we want to talk about Steph just? not caring about who shoots anymore except himself. I have never seen him hunt. Well, should we say hunt? Cause it's, it's a good thing. Hunt comes with a kind of a, a bad connotation. He's shooting a lot more than we've ever seen in a long time. So I do think uh, his assistant at a career low, well, not career low, but like it, it's been a while since it's been this low. And part of it has to do with Katie wanting to be more of an initiator. Um, I don't know if he wants to, but he's being used that way. I know he does enjoy um, having the all-around line because, like, 
he's basically been viewed as a scorer his whole career. And I think it, I think it bothers him that people don't think he has an all around game the same way it bothers. Interesting. I think it, I think it bothers Steph when people think he's just a shooter, you know? Um, and, and why wouldn't it when you're that good? Um, it's kind of, it's kind of an insult to claim like you're just good at one thing, you know? Like we like like people say Steph's not a point guard. Like, come on, this dude. I, did you watch the Warriors like struggle to get any semblance of pace without him? Like, he's a point guard. Don't worry about it. But um, it, it's the same concept. So, uh, but either way, they're, they're running Steph more off ball, and the way they're running it, Steph knows. Like, hey man, if the ball catches me here. I'm going to score. Yeah, that's uh, – it's just he's not – for one reason or another, I mean, it's kind of like a mindset thing. He's gunning for an MVP, whatever it is. He probably needs to keep this pace up probably all season for them for him to win the MVP. Uh, if he goes like 50, 48, and 90 or something, like that, that'll probably do it. But, yeah, it's just – it's kind of refreshing to see him do that because we haven't seen it really the last two years. I think the first year with KD, he was great. I think that was probably like one of the better seasons that he's had um in his career maybe the second best but it was kind of overshadowed because katie was there and i think this season he's kind of he's kind of saying like i'm gonna put my mark on this season regardless of whether katie plays cousins plays Draymond plays right like it doesn't matter like this is gonna be my season regardless so I, it's definitely a different mindset and i don't know why for whatever reason it's kind of just fascinating to see and obviously it's much more fun to watch yeah so um i don't necessarily think uh i i don't necessarily agree with you like he struggled the first half of kd's year because he was doing that like trying too yeah. hard to get everyone involved thing and then he kind of found his rhythm and since then he just kind of plays the game um he's his usage is more or less the same um he's just gonna do a lot of things and they're i think they're just running more sets for him as a scorer um getting other people involved as initiators as opposed to like having him initiate off the high pick and roll, like the like in the early the early part of Kerr's tenure, um, because he is versatile. Because despite just being a shooter, he's maybe the most versatile offensive player. You know, like I mean, you can use him in like forty different ways with a variety of different players, and he'll make an elite impact in all of them. So, why not? Like I mean. He could. We could just go back to running him out of high pick and roll with Draymond, um, and you know <laughs> the number. He probably wouldn't score as much, but he'd probably have like eight to nine assists, and God knows how many hockey assists. But um, he's not doing that now. They're you know they're running kind of more triangly sets in general, but with a little more spacing. That that Milwaukee game was fascinating. I mean, if we want to break down a game, that's a fun one because I felt that <clears throat> the shooting was pretty bad but they they ran a lot of pick and roll to get easy action easy guys to get open so i thought that was good they shot a bunch of threes but you wanted to talk about the defense yeah without draymond um i was i was just fast first off this kind of kudos to the coaching staff and uh bob myers more than anything on this like to play an elite level of defense like that without um draymond just kind of man draymond obviously draymond's the best defender in the league um, I don't care what anyone says. He just is. It's uh, facts. And he takes them to another level. But, like, as a team, they have enough good defenders that they can get it done without him. And it kind of made me start thinking of what happens if KD stays and they 
trade Draymond for the you know the next iteration or something. Um, they can still be a great defense. Like obviously Iguodala is a huge part of that game, um, and if they lost Iguodala and Draymond at the same time, I think they're kind of screwed. You know, I, I don't think you overcome that. Like Clay will do his one on one thing, but Clay is not a guy who um, gets the whole team scheme going. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're gonna have to. You're really gonna have to. Um, you have to find not play def- You KD can cover it up, but that's only in the postseason. Like, and you've got 82 regular season games to play, yeah, so right? So it's like KD. KD yeah. can do the four man things. He he isn't doing the Draymond barking the order, like you know, mini mini KG thing where he's like kind yeah. of just the voice of the back line. But like Looney's a smart defender, and then Iguodala is an all time smart defender. So it, it's just fine, right? You like you, they don't necessarily need Draymond. Draymond just takes it to another level. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, from the from from that standpoint, but um, it's uh, it just made me realize, like, I, I guess we should give more credit to Andre Iguodala, who kind of is perennially forgotten while also being perennially praised because. <laughs> Not a lot of teams can lose the rightful defensive player of the year and still just be able to produce like that on defense. Yeah, I it's it's I had a I, I saw a tweet come on the timeline that that's, that was saying, you know, the Raptors had to you know had the highest ceiling of defenses, which I just kind of uh, disagree with because I think at the end of the day, the Warriors' experience and just honestly just talent. There's no defense. There's no defense yeah, that, that can lock in. The like only this. the only way the Raptors have a higher ceiling on defense, um, it, it starts with the concept that Draymond and Iguodala can't. Yes, can't yes. Um, turn up to their turn peak levels. Yep. Which I mean, at some point it's going to happen, but I don't think we're there yet. Not this year. We saw it happen last year. Remember, like yeah. Draymond, yeah, Draymond turned it on literally day one of the postseason. Iguodala turned it on day one of the postseason. Um, and when that happens, it's, it's over. And I mean, KD turning it on is another level too. He's not as smart as the other two guys, but he's definitely more talented. He's pretty, he's he's pretty smart, but he doesn't like, um, I don't know, man, they might have the, the two best hands and then like how many guys. Oh yeah. I mean like, okay. Kawhi, obviously Paul George also, yeah. uh, but like just guys who like instinctively can do stuff. Like they're two of the five best in the league. And Draymond might be the best, so it's you know, I mean, and then that's that's why people think you know it's unfair the Warriors have all these players. <laughs> yeah, that that it comes full circle. Um, okay, so the Milwaukee game uh, was good. What? So I had an interesting question for you because somebody asked me this today, and and I was like, I looked at the standings uh, this morning, and somebody asked me like, so uh, what about the Clippers? Like, there's some Clippers event going on. They're like, you know, what place are they at? And I was like, aren't they in like first or second? I look at it. It's the Thunder that are that are in first place right now. I think. And they asked, so who do you think is going to – who do you think can beat the Warriors? Who do you think is the second-best team? And I thought about it for like five seconds, and I said LeBron. I said the Lakers, and I think it's going to remain that way. It looks like they're going to get a Riza. I actually um, um, pro- I actually argued with someone around this. Uh, really? I do think the Lakers and the Thunder are the two best teams in the West, not named the Warriors. Um, I'd buy the Thunder stock a lot more if I believed Russ could hold this up. Um Hold what up? So right now, Russ is kind of he's playing a lot more controlled. Um, he is so so. We both agree. Russ is a you know super talented, and when he plays under control, he's really good. The problem is Russ 
doesn't know his limitations and he takes and like okay Steph can take whatever shots he, he wants because he's the best shooter of all time Russ will take those same shots but it won't be good on the team like he doesn't have the discipline LeBron has to like say no to certain shots that defenses are giving him and work for something better like he'll just do that right now he's he's not he, here's here's some numbers for you the Thunder are currently nine and zero when Russ takes eighteen or less shots. Three and five when he takes more than that. They are ten and one when he takes less than five threes, and they're like two or four four when he takes more. My point is, <laughs> when he plays under control and just kind of, you know, if he gets to like the free throw line or below, just have at it. You know, do what you want. Um. But he Come can get, on, but he can get baited into worse shots. So, so my thing is, um, if he can do that and then live with some nights, he's only going to get 14 to 15 shots because teams are just like going to double him and say, like, we're not giving you anything below the free throw line. Like, you just have to chuck from farther if you want to shoot. And he's <laughs> like, okay, I'll just let, like, you know, I'll just drive into it and kick to teammates. Then I think they're legitimately the second best team, maybe in the NBA. But I've seen this. I've seen it too much with Russ. I've seen like bring us back, the, bring the us moment back. He'll he'll get into the playoffs, and it'll be seventy six eighty, and he'll like decide <laughs> like I'm the man. I got to take this over, and go like eighteen possessions in a row where he won't <laughs> pass it. And then it'll take Paul George out of rhythm. And then Paul George will get the ball. And then Paul George will be like, I don't know what to do with the ball because I haven't touched it in an hour. And and then it'll just be <laughs> what we've seen, you know? Like, instead of just being like, okay, I get to the free throw line. Two guys jump at me. I'll pass it. Like, I'm going to finish this game, you know, six for 13, 15 points, but everyone else is going to eat. You know, the way Steph would do when people trap him 30 feet away and then, you know, somehow, like, you know, most spates gets 20 points and all of a sudden most spates is too much help, but it's really, it comes, it comes back to the fact that Steph is willing to just like read the defense and take what's given to get his team, the easiest shot, not just get himself the easiest shot. Um, I love it. So I, but so, so the reality is I don't think he'll do that. I think he sees red and I don't think it's correctable at this point, you know? And then I think, but I, but I do know LeBron, has control and knows what he's doing in those situations. And I do think the surrounding talent there is un they're useful enough that like it's LeBron. Yeah, that's honestly, that's it. That's it. It's LeBron and he's still great. And come the postseason, he's still like, there's no players that are head and shoulders better than him when it comes to the postseason and a supporting cast. When you get into like the Denver and the Utah's like, come on, yeah, like exactly. Like Memphis and I mean even Houston at this point, right? If Chris Paul is going to be this washed, uh, presumably yeah, maybe, like come maybe on. they turn it around and make a move to tweak it. Um yeah. so I'm not writing them off, but like, but like as presently constructed, yeah. There's just no I mean we're 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 better off. We're damn near better off talking about what if LeBron had stayed on the Cavs. like let's talk about what if he stayed there and let's talk about the eastern conference because now he has to go through boston he has to go they're one like four in a row we got to talk about the sixers with jimmy butler we got to talk about the Giannis bucks right who can shoot and we got to talk about uh i'm missing a team the raptors with Kawhi. like 
that's tougher for for a LeBron led team, right? Because they're better. Those players are better than your Memphis and Utah and those type of teams. So, I, do you think it's it, like the 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 East will be more entertaining than the West this year in the playoffs? Um, and maybe you know, team two through five in the NBA are all in the East. If it like if they were in the like if it's one postseason series though like I think they're better in the regular season series I don't I don't know or in regular season like record wise I think still if you were to play like the Lakers against let's say the the Boston Celtics in a postseason series right now like I you would I would think LeBron would would take that I don't know like I I would still think they're the the second best like he's just because the the East East teams are great but they also don't have. They don't have that one player that you can kind of say, oh, that's Steph. Oh, that's KD. Oh, that's LeBron. He's going to take this series over. You just can't touch him, right? Like Kawhi's great and Giannis is great. Like those guys are cool, but they're not that type of player. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of season to be left to see. Um, yeah, I guess I wouldn't disagree with you or anything. There's, uh, there it's interesting we'll, we'll see how it plays out well, let's get you to, let's get to slider after this okay let's do that perfect all right now we got on everyone's favorite beat writer i think right anthony slater athletic what up man nothing man uh i'll, I'll take that title is that league wide or what what's uh... I, I think we need a new title the man who who saved the dynasty the man who <laughs> who called out Steve Kerr on on the lack of three pointers? Man, who said Steve, the mid range shots gotta go. Why aren't they taking threes? Hey, it was not Steph Curry's return from injury or Draymond Green's. It was <laughs> it was it was my question in a Detroit tunnel that uh, <laughs> that saved a dynasty that I don't think needed saving, but maybe I did it. You know, pe- people, because then these aren't questions that are like like different or like or, or new or anything like that but people just kind of don't ask them like i've been in the locker room i stopped asking questions after like the first second season because i didn't it wasn't my job but like these are pretty obvious questions later i just was always curious why people don't ask them there's a lot of reporters in there and people care about this stuff it was just never something that maybe it's kind of a tough question i guess you could say but at the same time it's a fair question to ask someone like steve well, it's all about wording, and then the the one thing that is good with Steve for for all the uh, triangle faults that that some people may have with him on Twitter, he's he's an incredible he's an incredibly direct coach. Like, there's maybe not a coach in the league that's easier to ask. You know, I don't even want to call him tough questions, just direct questions, because he gives pretty direct answers, uh, and, and he'll tell you his thought process behind stuff. Maybe he won't tell you his starting lineup decision ninety minutes before tip, but uh, there's not a you know if. I've, you know, I covered the Thunder for three years, which was Scott Brooks for for uh, two, and then Billy Donovan for one. And uh, you know, there was major issues going on around, a lot of times around that team, strategic issues, and and we'd ask questions, but then Scott Brooks would just kind of meander it into nowhere, and you're like, <laughs> I didn't really get an answer. And, and Billy was kind of the same way. Billy was honestly a little bit better, uh, but that's the one good thing. It's like you can ask a bunch of questions, but if you don't have subjects who actually thoughtfully answer them, then it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I, I guess I guess that's true. I guess like it's kind of it's always a little more fun to talk to someone like Draymond than it is to like Steph, because Steph will give you an answer, but it's like 
what did he really just talk about? Where Draymond, you never know. He might give you some where you're just like, Steph oh man, gives you the that's going to be answer pretty yeah. much. Like he'll, well, he'll just talk into his talking points. Where you're, where you're right is though, it, it is kind of at times can be an art of trying to like lead him down the path of where you want him to go, or just you know straight up delivering the question. Or sometimes it is a touchy subject, and you got to find a way to word it where you're not just completely ruining your relationship with the with the subject, but you still kind of need it to be asked. And honestly, I would say the best training I ever got was covering Russell Westbrook for three years and, <laughs> and, and watching Damian Lillard score 17 in the fourth quarter on him in Portland. And, uh, you know, in Oklahoma city, you're, I, at least at the time I was the only traveling beat writer. So it's like, not only like at times you can be in a scrum and you're like, oh, ah, yeah, you know, maybe tonight somebody else will ask that question. When I was covering the thunder on the road and they were in slumps, I was the only guy that was there to ask the question. Oh, wow. so, you, so you'd have to sit there and be like, all right, how am I going to exactly ask Russ about getting torched by Damian Lillard tonight uh, to where he won't just want to just kill me? Uh, and now three years of that was, uh, I think, what's helped me, I'd say. So don't go to journalism school. Just just trail Russell Westbrook for a couple seasons. Much better. Russell Westbrook is journalism school. He's one of the best <laughs> journalism professors in the league. He's a, we need, so we need your thoughts on him, obviously, because I think we've had you on a couple times. We never actually talked about kind of you covering Russell. How, how was that? Um, I mean, great at that point in my career for some of what we just kind of talked about. I, I loved covering him uh, because of the challenge of covering him and, uh, you know, also getting to see him 82. He kind of invigorates the regular season at times because right. you're going to the arena. He might have a 3-18 night uh, and just be steaming afterwards in the locker room and he's yelling at somebody or whatever. But, like, he, he was so interesting from a night-to-night basis. And I was, what, 23 when I started covering him. And, like, that was just such a – Oh, wow. That was such a, like, welcome to the real world type thing where, you know, we kind of joke about him being a journalism professor. But, I, you know, I wasn't getting that type of training at Oklahoma State. Uh, and suddenly it's just, you know, and he was such a, like, um, he wasn't professional to journalists. Like, I have I have issues at times with how he handles his media sessions right. and so, some of his, like, maybe bullying tactics, you could call them. Because I actually think he's a pretty genuinely nice person off the court. I mean, you even see it now with the stuff. I know it's some of it's PR, but what he's doing was like giving kids shoes and uh, you know he's such a great family guy you know he doesn't drink doesn't do any of that stuff but i you know at times i thought he kind of would bully uh reporters but at the same time like he's such a great professional in his craft like you would get there there'd be times i'd get there you know two and maybe i gotta do a radio hit pregame and i'm there two and a half hours early way earlier than i normally would be an empty arena the guy is going through his same he's like ocd he's going through his same exact routine all the time and it was like you know there there can there's jokes at time on twitter and i i agree with a lot of like the movie the stylistic <laughs> ways he sure. plays but it's like the guy is so obsessed with his craft and that was what i like really came to respect covering him day to day was just there's a reason why he became what he became because as you guys know he was not a top prospect he was a six man at ucla he right. uh, the thunder were kind of uh you know maybe criticized a little bit for drafting him instead of Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah 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 uh but i think they saw that mindset uh and you know i think he helped russell or kevin durant in a lot of ways become so serious those those early thunder teams uh, no, while they weren't like maybe like the highest IQ basketball teams, like they made themselves so good because they were all just obsessively driven. Uh, and they had these intense hard practices. And, and I mean, just think about all the young, great players they produce Harden, you know, Abaka, Durant, Westbrook, Steven Adams. Like they, they just well, talent came and, out. And of I there. feel like the, the TV ratings generally kind of back it up to like outside of 
the Warriors with their recent Curry run and like, you know, anytime the Lakers are good, like the Thunder have always been a team that's kind of rated well because, I mean, it's, it's exactly what you said. I mean, whether it's good or bad, people like watching Russell Westbrook for that exact reason. Yeah, I mean, we we were just joking before the podcast about how bored you are by, you know, solid Toronto Raptors basketball. Exactly. Um, and that was, I mean, the Thunders, I think they're a lot better than they have been. Right. And maybe we'll talk about that later this year. But, like, even in the uh, MVP Westbrook year, where it was the triple-double chase, and, like, you know, I know basketball purists were probably throwing up while watching, but they were watching. You know, it, it was just kind of every <laughs> night viewing. Yeah, you're either, love, you're either watching, watching to um, you're either watching to hate on him or cheering for him, <laughs> but you're definitely watching. It's a lot more. I mean, we're watching than, like, it. Twenty some teams out of the league. Let's be honest. Twenty, man. <laughs> I mean, at this point, no. I mean, it's especially late in the season. Right now, we're at the point of the season. There, there's still we can sit here and like like to watch Kings games, which you guys know how it'll be in like March. There'll be about seven teams people are willing to watch. Right, That's even the Clippers. We're watching the Clippers right now. Actually, they'll, they'll probably hold up for a while, but like at a certain point, you get tired of watching uh, a try-hard bunch of guys who are like best suited to be six men. It's only, yeah. it's only so much you can get out of you know I don't know Gallinari's nice little post. <laughs> yeah, we had a that. so <laughs> Slater. We had we had Marcus on I think a few weeks ago now, and he he kind of came on and was a was a big KD believer. So now we got you on. So we've got a big Russ believer. Um, but we got we, we got to talk about KD. That, next now. <laughs> we got a kid of heart. Who's I wouldn't even call myself a Russ believer. I mean, I know what his flaws are. Um, but you know, I don't know. I just not common in these parts. Yeah, I, I would say from uh, from now being on this side of uh, the train tracks, uh, he maybe gets a little bit of undue criticism. Uh, For sure, <laughs> but but you know it is you. I, at least I know that you guys kind of know it. Uh, oh, it, oh yeah, but it, it's more it's just more fun that way. Like at the end of the day, I think Sam agrees with me. I loved watching those Westbrook teams, yeah. and between Westbrook and LeBron, those are going to be like top five guys that we're going to watch on a nightly basis. But you know, you know, it's kind of it's always fun to make fun of a. Uh, of other of other players, no doubt. Um, let's talk. So let's talk about KD. Yeah, he came. Um, in the, he had and, a little news today. I mean, I, he he's really on the media tour in general, like all the time. <laughs> but um, I guess a little little part of the Chris Haynes' new pod leaked with him saying he he sees himself getting a statue one day. My read on that was it was non-committal and it was a very vague way of saying at some point in the future people are going to look back on my time here with like glowing eyes but some people were saying it looked like he was saying he wanted to be here next year did you have any read on that this is so reminiscent of the last couple (laughs) years in oklahoma city you know he would just he just says he just says a lot of stuff this i actually because i knew you guys were going to ask me this right. uh and not only that when he said it today i wanted to find the quote that it was reminding me of uh but this is from 2015 talking about oklahoma city i love it here man i love my teammates i love the city i don't really think about anywhere else for me i love staying in the moment and i'm one of those guys that would love to stick it out <laughs> with one team my whole career kobe tim duncan dirk Nowitzki type of dude I remember yeah that's awesome but you never know what the future holds sometimes and how teams may feel about you after a whole but i love it here and i would love to get my jersey retired here uh he j- i mean he just you know it is i'm not saying he doesn't feel it in the moment but i'm also saying like kevin durant randomly on a tuesday to you know in a good chris haynes podcast doesn't mean that's kevin durant on july 1st 
uh, when he's making his decision. And I remember at the time, like this became such a big, oh my, like, is he committing? I know he didn't commit in the quote, but it kind of feels like he's committing. Uh, it was just, it's just, he, he'll say a lot of those things and people try to take it one way or the other. And the reality is uh, it just wake me up on July 1st and tell me what happens in the playoffs. Because what happened in the 2016 playoffs dictated why, you know, if it had gone differently, I think he might not have left Oklahoma City. What happens in these playoffs, I think, are going to help dictate where KD goes. Or maybe, you know, he's going somewhere regardless or he's going to stay regardless. But I just I would just hesitate because I've seen an entire fan base go through this before. I would just hesitate to take a quote he randomly says on a podcast when he's in some, you know, sentimental moment as like right. a guarantee he's staying or a guarantee he's going because he'll have quotes that'll probably go the other way too he kind of already did a little bit this season he's like he's kind of different from lebron i think he kind of fancies himself as kind of the, the opposite or not the opposite but like the rival of lebron or like on the same tier and i guess he's kind of different in that when lebron says something like he knows like that thing he did with d wade like that was all for show like he plans a lot more calculated yeah, and KD kind of just says shit. Like it's just whatever is honest that comes out, and, and like that's pretty. That's a good thing, I guess. It just kind of you don't expect that, I guess, from athletes, especially today. Well, it's it's not PR savvy at all. He does a lot of like non PR savvy stuff. I mean, I think if we like drill down to like from the human perspective, you'd rather like cover a subject like him over a LeBron in the sense of like you feel like you can always kind of get his honest takes yeah. on stuff. I, the thing is, a lot of times. Uh, he is—he either changes his mind or he matures over time. But you can go back and find quotes that are very hypocritical to quotes yeah. today, or you know, there's even like one month I'll make this quote. I mean, there's obviously the famous stuff of when he uh, came to the Warriors. People went back and found his tweets about like we're just all joining up teams these days, that type of stuff. Um, <laughs> but so he exposes himself. He exposes himself on Instagram. You know. He, he has the burner account issue, but he's still, you know, tweeting at 15-year-olds on Instagram and, and different stuff like that. Like, we like to see all these thoughts. It creates content for us. It's it's an interesting look into a very complex guy. Uh, but at the same time, if you were his PR str- strategist, you'd probably be like, hey, why don't you try to be a little bit more like LeBron? You know, you run your own company and you just uh, put out there what you want to put out there. And you kind of keep your message how, how, you know, LeBron is so, you mentioned it, but like, he... Everything LeBron puts out there, like LeBron plans to put out there. Yeah. What do you? Go ahead, Sam. Go ahead, Sam. No, you you go for it. I was gonna say, like, what do you? You said the dynasty doesn't need saving, right? You kind of hinted that, and and so I think when we think of a a dynasty, at least for this season, we're thinking it for the next two years or three years or whatever it is. Whatever it is, did you mean that just? kind of just however they were going to play just for this season, or are you thinking of a long-term, you know, including Draymond and stuff like that? Well, I would say this year they're in, like, a really good spot because of what's going on around them, which is just not, you know, the <laughs> West is down. The, you know, I, I was going to maybe ask you guys towards the end of the podcast, but, like, who's the second-best team in the West? I mean, Houston, 12-14 uh, and 14 now. and, and It just might looking, be the Lakers. Like yeah. LeBron, yeah. It really might be. You know, or you could make an argument, you know, Oklahoma City or, you know, Thunder. people were talking about Denver, but now they got like five injuries. And who really believes in Denver in like a playoff setting right now? <laughs> um, you know, I really thought Utah was going to make a leap. But then I thought about it. It's like, well, Donovan Mitchell is like year two, not year five Dwayne Wade like people expected him to be. So I think they're they're going to have like maybe their easiest cruise to the finals if they're healthy. And if there's not enough, you know, if there's not any more crazy infighting. They should have a pretty simple path to the finals. And then once they get there, 
they don't have to face LeBron. I mean, I know like there, there's challenges out east, but do, would would you guys fear more that LeBron Cavs team last year or one of these Eastern Conference teams? If you're from <laughs> one of these East teams, um, yeah, I don't like fear. Fear makes me think that they're going to beat the Warriors, and I don't think any of them beat the Warriors. The Warriors are fully healthy. Um, but, I mean, that Cavs team last year was lifeless. Now, if you were to ask me, like, the, the Cavs team. The Kyrie before, teams, yeah. Yeah, that one's a little. Oh, for one. sure. Oh, yeah. But, but then again, the Warriors, the first year with KD, there was point to prove um, for everyone. All the Warriors who kind of, like, lost the year before, plus, like, obviously KD coming here. Year three, like, it kind of feels like a drag with them sometimes. Um, and I don't know how they're going to look coming into June, you know? Yeah, uh, I actually think there's like a way better vibe around this team this year than there was last season. Last yeah. season was hmm. uh, oh, um, I mean, actually, it, I, wanted and you ask, hear... I wanted to ask you about that. What what do you think? Because Kerr's mentioned it a few times, like something around February or so. The vibe started changing January, February, particularly with KD last year. Have you ever kind of? Do you have a theory to what it was? Just fatigue or something else? Um, you know. I don't know. I mean, I remember the Steph injury and right. then the and then the struggle last year. And then Katie was doing like I remember even talking to Steve about kind of how the isolation ball had dipped a little bit back into his game, and it was somewhat needed because they were struggling so much. Remember when they had that like stretch where literally all four All Stars got hurt in like right. a week stretch? There was even the game in Minnesota where Katie fractured his rib and Clay fractured his thumb in the same game. Oh, um, yeah. And like there was such a weird. Uh, feeling around them. They went 7-10. and 10. They weren't used to losing. Durant was kind of pouting a lot. You had the game in Indianapolis late in the season where they right. got blown out. And then Kerr, like, you know, Kerr's always strategic with what he comes out with. And he came out with, like, heat in game, And he was oh, like, yeah, they, yeah. you know, they should care. How about they care about basketball? They don't even care. <laughs> and then you, I went into the locker room and I was like, Kevin, like, you know, you know, Steve said you guys didn't care tonight. And then he, like, was really like, you know, that's, that, yeah. that's almost, like, disrespectful to say, like, a um, you know, we ca- we all care about our profession, that type of thing. Um, and that it felt tenuous at that moment. But then uh, and, and Draymond had a really bad season. And I think that was kind of maybe an undertold part. I remember going in the playoffs and there was like, you know, this is Draymond really declined. And would they trade him this offseason if he has a bad playoffs? But then he was like electric in that Spurs series all over the place. Uh, they got Curry back from injury, and you know everything was fine. I just mean this year, there's more regular season energy. Obviously, you had the weird thing in Staples Center and the Steph injury that threw them, threw them off a little bit. But I just say there's a better vibe around the team. I think they like what their bench players are doing more this year. Just the way Jarebko and McKinney just they just chuck up shots. I think the guys like yeah. That. I was gonna say it's nice having role players who are willing to shoot the ball. It's yeah. It, it gets pretty infuriating watching uh, uh, regular season M- Iguodala and <laughs> McCaw. Yeah. McCaw, Caspi last year, a lot of that. Um, but, you know, who knows? I mean, Cousins is coming. That'll inject some life, too. But as far as the dynasty, the original question, which was, like, about the, you know, the dynasty, I, I I think they have a very clear path to winning again this year. Then suddenly you've won four in five years. And even if it breaks up, like, I mean, that's a that's a huge dynasty. Four, four titles in five years. And um, and when we say break up, it's not going to be – they're not going to become a lottery team next year. Like, even if KD left, they'll – at least be in the conversation of contention next year. So uh, I, I just mean, like, it doesn't need saving in that sense. They're still in a very good place. Yeah, and I argue with Sam earlier today because we well, we're starting to believe that KD may be leaving, and let's say he goes to another team. Let's say it's not the Lakers, right? Let's say he goes to New York or whatever. Um, 
the Warriors would still be favorite to win the title. Like that's not out out too of many, like too many moving parts around the league to to make. Okay, that but like let's say it kind of stays the same. Like OKC stays the same. Houston stays the same. Like Anthony Davis stays in New Orleans for a season. Like that's not kind of crazy to say. Hey, like the Warriors can still win one more title after KD leaves. I know it's kind of. I mean, it's way a ways, but anyway, that's kind of what I we're. Favor them. I don't. I mean, I think we would talk about them, and they'd be a really fun story, and they would have this like revenge vibe, and like Draymond mm-hmm. would be probably like have his last great season would be like his revenge right. tour. Yeah. Uh, and they would probably keep Draymond, you know, and we're assuming they keep Draymond in this, I guess, scenario. But yeah. uh, I also think other teams would like smell blood a little bit as far, or like finally like, Hey, there's a path. Like LeBron would probably say like, at what is he going to be age 34, 35 next year? And if KD yeah. had left, and even if he didn't go to join LeBron, LeBron would suddenly sit there and say, Hey, like we got a le- probably his last, maybe his last legitimate chance to be like the main guy on a title team. And he would probably make LA make like title now move so That's true um in houston you know maybe houston suddenly has a better vibe because they're like hey you know maybe we can get past them <laughs> and maury swings something i do but it i know you guys would enjoy kind of an underdog warrior season uh just like draymond <laughs> probably would see i'm ready for the season after that um because i think the year after if kd does leave um they're not going to be able to do anything with the margins of the team so you're talking about like Steph, Draymond, Clay, five finals appearances in a row with like a very old or depleted supporting <clears throat> cast. Uh, it won't be as like bad or anything as Miami the year after LeBron left uh, because their core is better than like Wade, Bosch, and I, mean, I can't remember who else is on that team. But I mean, they're, they're, like, it's kind of what you said. There'd be a fatigue factor. It'd be kind of like you kind of have to give Bob and – the front office, like at least a year plus to retool around the core guys. Um, so I'd want, I'd want to see like what it transitioned to is in like, what's the, the next iteration of the, you know, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson led warriors. Yeah. I mean, they'd have to find fringe guys and, and then, then you'd start to look and go, man, they really missed on Jacob Evans. That was a pick they needed. To hit. Oh boy. And some just different fringe guys, but at the same time, you know, they got McKinney and they found him and that works, but, uh yes but everyone else would be like they would be flawed and they wouldn't be favorites again like i said but like it it would just it'd be back to kind of an even playing field and then you i think you would have to factor in like the the revenge factor like the life around the warriors that year. like they would love to face the kind of underdog mentality and like draymond in particular and all they'd have to do is kind of like get their way into the playoffs which i think they would and then uh, you you have to think they'd at least have a shot, and that's that's considering we don't know what the other teams would look like. We don't know if that means LeBron would really put the pressure on the Lakers to force an Anthony Davis move, and and you know have Rich Paul convince Anthony Davis to to push his way out of New Orleans, and <laughs> right, and then suddenly you're talking about a different situation. Yeah, definitely. How many times do you think Draymond's going to get suspended um, if if and when KD leaves um, for for kind of just yelling at him every night? I don't. I mean he. <laughs> Like at the next season, like KD as yeah. an opponent, um, yeah, the, the NBA would have to suspend him because I don't, the Warriors would be fine with him yelling at him in that scenario. They're not <laughs> trying to pr- protect an asset anymore. Um, uh, he might get teed up. They they'd probably get some double tees. That would be interesting. You know, it would be like the next stage of of the Westbrook Durant from the last few years. That seems to have died down. Um, so he was that, that friendship. That friendship is interesting to me between Draymond and Kevin. That really is one of the more kind of 
things I'm curious about because like how close are they? And they were they were yeah. close year one uh, a lot more. I feel like it's kind of I don't know Draymond and this is it's very similar to the Russ thing with me in Oklahoma City where like Russ and KD I thought were closer to the you know earlier years into the middle years but then Russell's like. Uh, you know, his college sweetheart becomes his fiance, and then they're getting married and they're starting to have kids together. They had, you know, they um, in those final years, and Russell's like a lot more family focused, Steph like in a lot of ways off the court. And, and KD, who still doesn't, you know, have a significant other, still kind of sitting there in like the bachelor type life, but uh, Westbrook's kind of drifting away from him a little bit off the court. And I think that's somewhat similar with Draymond. Draymond had. You know his son, and now it just feels like he's kind of floating a little bit more towards his personal life, and uh, and, and also just the way. I mean, th- at the crux of their issue this year was obviously the way Kevin's kind of dangled free agency and not committed to them. But uh, I, I do think at the heart of maybe not as close a friendship as it has been is is the fact that they're just uh, not in the same personal uh, you know paths. Is is this kind of a theme with with Katie, um, where he just kind of it seems like he, you know, kind of becomes friends with and then just kind of d- doesn't have that like super long-term close relationship with guys. I don't know. I don't, I don't really yeah. want to play a psychologist. He, he, needs, he yeah. needs a girlfriend too. That's the other. <laughs> well, the, no, you know, that's a good point. And I don't want to, I, again, I'm kind of with you. Right. I don't like, I don't like over psychoanalyzing the guy too much because he's like, he's a, <laughs> a normal human that has sure. his normal issues. Uh, yep. And I think he hates how much people do what we're doing right now. Yep. But yeah, I right do think I, I think that um, being 30 years old and not having a, you know, he had a serious girlfriend last year. Does it, you know, he no longer has that serious girlfriend. I mean, I just think being single at 30, if any of us, and this is not a Kevin Durant thing. This is anyone that is suddenly at the age of 30. Uh, they're getting deeper into their career. They're trying to figure out their life. They're looking at like, am I going to have kids in my life? Am I not? Um, that you start to kind of ponder things and maybe some of your longtime friendships aren't as close because they have kids and they, you know, have serious girlfriends who they're, you know, in their off days, they have to hang out with them. They have to deal with family things. Maybe they have to go uh, because their their wife yeah. or significant other has to go, you know, check in on her pregnancy or something like that. And like Kevin just right. doesn't necessarily have that. Uh, and, you know, that, that affects him like it would affect anyone. Actually, that's super yeah. relatable. We've, we've all um, had friends who've, got wifed up before us or something in that range you're like man they're just never around anymore and then Sam, vice versa. 27 it's already happening <laughs> you're you it's I've, i'm 27 listen three years away sam if that happens whew. um but uh we've got one more i think I've, I've got one more and that's your predictions on what's gonna happen with like we know the warriors are gonna win the title so we don't care about that it's more of where is kevin durant gonna go Anthony, when this season is over, July first. You know, I'm probably I, I'm guessing one and one with the Warriors. I, and oh, it's what I God. it's it's what I guessed my last year in Oklahoma City. I, I that whole season I was saying one and one. He's going to stay in Oklahoma City. One and one. He's going to line his free agency up with Westbrook. That was kind of the prevailing thought at the time, and he obviously didn't do that. Um, but I'm still kind of thinking he's going to kick the can down the road a little bit for two reasons. I mean. I, I, if they win again, I, I think just the good vibes of a three-peat uh, will carry him into July. Because you got to think, and especially with Kevin, it's ha- a lot of times it's how he feels in the moment. And if they do win the title, they'll win it right around, what, we'll say June 15th. So yeah. two, we- two weeks later, after you know, three-peat, another parade, uh, you would assume maybe not as awkward of a parade this time, um, <laughs> that they'll 
like I'll get that, ready that to will, write your how Fitz ruined the dynasty piece. <laughs> <laughs> that, that will be what like leads him into like his free agency decision, and I think that will help him potentially decide to stay another year with Chase Center lingering down the road. That'll almost be at its completion at that point. Uh, he's already kind of. I mean, obviously the Haynes interview and you know him going to Chase Center recently. You can see that's at least part of his thought process is like that whole thing. Um, and then the other thing is like what I'm just. I think his options will be better if he lets it play out another year. You know, you see what Porzingis looks like uh, coming off the ACL, and if Zion, Knox, if Knox can actually be a player, yes. If the Knicks get uh, a Zion Williamson, and not only Zion, but you know, you give Zion wherever he goes, if it is New York, a year to show Whew. if like is this Julius Randle or is this like Julius Randle <laughs> ba- bathing in steroids for eighteen years? <laughs> um, it's, and I, I mean, because I don't. That's the one thing about the like when he left Oklahoma City, there was such a perfect place for him to go. Like he was pulled away from Oklahoma City by the Warriors situation that like it lured him there. I'm not sure any of the scenarios we're talking about New York, the Clippers, the Lakers. I mean, any like what will be so appealing to him that he will decide to leave? I, I think he might want to let it play out another year and, and hope there'll be one down the road. All right, all right. What so- do you guys think? What do you guys think? I'll go first. Um, so I have a very hard time reconciling the fact he's going to walk away right before the Chase Center opens after he's put in like years of work of being the face of San Francisco, does like yes. all this tech centric stuff. And he's the only one at Chase Center events. Like none of the Warriors, every other Warriors player is like doing a goodbye Oakland thing. And he's like, you know, like <laughs> I'm so excited for San Francisco. He's the only one that lives there. He's yeah. the only one that lives in San Francisco. Um, so it's like uh, I have a hard time seeing him leave from that. On the other hand, it seems like he kind of wants to leave. Um, yeah. So I, my my thing is I kind of have to see the season play out. If if I get vibes Kyrie's leaving Boston, like for sure, like they never get it together and lose in the second round, then I think he's gone. Uh, I don't think he's walking to the Knicks alone, though. I don't think he's doing the – I'm going to New York to play with maybe Przingis off of a full injury and like Kevin Knox shooting 33%. <laughs> he's going to team up with Kyrie. And that's a good one. I like that one. Um, I, I think he's going to get. Plus he keeps Draymond. talking about him in a, in a, oh my in, God, in the same way that he kind of like talks about Kyrie. Yeah. And I it, think, Oh, God, I think I'm the sorry. best thing that well, I'm just saying the best thing that happened to the Warriors is that Kyrie had that interview in Boston or whatever when he came out and said that right. he's staying long term. That would very much help the Warriors because if he went to New York, it would probably be a package deal. That and would be. I, sick. I do think it's kind of funny because it'd be the third point guard that he would team up with who has like this <laughs> kind of a magnetic personality. Like I can't really see a scenario where if they're both on the Knicks. New Yorkers aren't like in love with Kyrie more than Kevin. So there there's that too, which would just be a weird irony. Damn. That's that, that's a great point. I hadn't thought about that. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think he's a, I asked about the Draymond thing. Cause I think he asks for Draymond to, to get traded um, so that he can sign that extension so that he can become kind of the uh, more the focal point on offense. So no more of him standing in the wing dude shot 15 shots yesterday. 
right? And, and Steph, you know, dropped 38 and, and he shot 50% from three, but it's like, like man. Harrison Barnes, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like I'm sure there's, there has to be. If I were KD, I'd be the exact same way. There has to be some part of him where he's like, dude, like what am I doing here? Just standing around waiting for Draymond to pass to me. Like I could be doing what he's doing and I, I could be dropping 30. So yeah, I, well, I think- yeah. He chose it. He chose it. That's. It I mean, he's just. He chose this life. Like, and, and he might. And this might force him to choose another life. But then, at the some point, you're searching for like. You just keep searching for somewhere where you're just gonna wish you had the other thing. Like, you know, That's if he true. does go to a bad team, maybe he's sitting there going, "Man, I wish I was on a more talented team that was passing and more ball that movement." Is true. And because uh, I mean, if he loved what you're talking about, he could have stayed in Oklahoma City. And he was taking 20 shots a game in Oklahoma City. Yeah, yeah, there's no such damn. thing as uh, there's no such thing as perfection. You're sacrificing in one way or another. <sighs> that's that's deep. That's dark. Slater, <laughs> coming with the facts. Saying Katie needs a girl and signing a one and one. Thank you, sir, for coming on. <laughs> All right, fellas. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate it.